know, he's part, he is part of the soul and the story of that quilt. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hey, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode 30, and I am Stephanie Socha, your host. So let's talk about this no sewing and quilting thing that has been happening with me over the last several weeks. Uh, The reason I didn't quilt or sew this past week is that I spent a lot of time outside getting flowers and vegetable plants planted and trying to get this done in between the rain and storms. Uh, So it's just been more days of rain than it has been of sunshine. But uh, I got probably about 90% of the flowers um, and vegetable plants planted that are going on my deck. So let me tell you about my deck. It is a pretty large deck that comes off of the back of the house and it's got three levels, basically like a step down and then another step down. So a level, step up, another level, step up the third level that is even with the back door of of the house, but it's an elevated deck um, and the elevated by maybe like, I don't know, four, four and a half feet. And then the actual back door to the house is down a half a flight of stairs to the outside. So anyway, what I like about having this deck is that in the spring, summer and a bit of fall, I have an extra room and a nice large room. It's It's outside, it's on the deck, but to me, I consider it a a nice, big, huge, great room. (laughs) I have um, a dining table and chairs on the lowest level, and then in the middle level, I have a seating area with um, a sofa, a glider chair, and other chairs and tables, and um, I've made Um, outdoor drapery panels because it's a city house and we are right in reaching distance of the next door neighbors. So it's nice to have not only to have, you know, the drapery panels to sort of close because we have the posts that go up and across. So it's a natural um, structure to be able to put a drapery rod and, um, I made outdoor drapery panels from outdoor fabric, which is pretty much basically just a plastic fabric. So rain will not hurt them and they can stay up all season long and I can open and close them. And it also really makes the space again, feel like an actual room, but it's outdoors. So I really like the space and I like to, you know, plant, uh, do container gardening with the flowers, herbs, and um, 
doing some cherry tomatoes and um, a few varieties of peppers. So that's about 90% done. And even though I said I wasn't going to do this and I really shouldn't have, I did get some other vegetables to plant in the lower actual ground garden. So I just, I've got to get those in too, hopefully by, um, you know, after the week, this coming weekend. So um, that is what has been taking a lot of my time. Uh, in addition to other things, events, I mean, we are in really a busy season. And it's not just me, it is everybody because it's graduation season, wedding season. Uh, for my family, it's birthday season, tons of birthdays between May and July. Uh, and now August is starting to become filled up with birthdays with uh, nieces and nephews being born. Uh, in August. Uh, So it is crazy busy. I mean, oh, that's one of the things other than like the Thanksgiving Christmas holidays, winter, I relish that hibernation of winter. But it's a different kind of busy in the spring, summer, fall months, because it, you're you're on the go, you're active, and the weather is nice, and you're trying to spend more time outdoors. Plus, the days are longer because the sun stays out until almost nine o'clock. In fact, when this publishes, we will be one day before summer solstice, which is the longest day of the year. So you know, we just do more, we fit more into every day because we have all that daylight, um, which is good. There are a couple of things that I have been doing sewing related. One of them is I have a client that needed her quilt repaired. Her dog chewed a hole through this quilt and the quilt is made from silk. It's all silk. And uh, but it it's ready made, but it's very high quality, high end ready made. There's a modern design on it, and I'm going to take that motif, and which they have sort of like um, layering rectangles, and I'm going to just make another like motif as if it's part of the design on the front of the quilt and um, carry that motif also on the back of the quilt. So it looks like it's meant to be there. But it's pretty challenging to find silk fabrics these days, like a nice crisp silk dubioni in the colors that this quilt was made in. Um, I went to Vogue Fabrics, which is Chicago's version of Mood Fabrics from New York. So most people are familiar with Mood. And um, I knew they would have something and they did. So this is going to be a very interesting project um, of repairing it. And I really my goal is to make it look like it was made that way when it's completed. Um, and the other thing I got done was um, I printed and assembled and cut out the pattern pieces for the Molly pajamas that I'm making from five out of four patterns. That takes a while to do. It's just um, a lot of pages and a lot of gluing and taping and 
um, cutting. So I'm glad it was such a relief when I finally cut the last pattern piece out. And I'm really running out of time to get my three June projects completed by the end of the month. So let's hope I can get those done. All right, I just saw this the other day and you probably may have seen it as well. But Tula Pink and Bernina are doing another collaboration on a machine or two machines and it will be available this fall. The there's a model of the Bernina 570 and the 770Q which will be all decked out in Tula style. The bed of the machine, which is usually a stainless steel finish, which is very sharp looking, is going to be done in her iridescent finish that's on her scissors, you know, the tulip pink hardware. And the um, body of the machine is going to have gray polka dots. They were showing videos of it and, you know, Tula always does a great job with marketing her fabrics and all of her products. So, uh, yeah, it looks absolutely scrumptious, delicious, amazing. Why? Why do they do this to me? To us? Oh, always a newer, better thing. But that's how they have to stay in business. I know, but... I won't be able, I won't be getting this machine because I have a perfectly good working Bernina machine with the stainless steel bed. <laughs> so for all of you who are in the market for it, wait for this fall because that is an awesome looking machine. All right, so enough of this. You're welcome, Bernina and Tula Pink, for the free marketing as neither one of them sponsor this podcast. All right, moving on. So this episode is the first of five episodes of a series I am doing on quilting, the different types of quilting. We're going to look at domestic machine quilting, long arm quilting, ruler quilting, and hand quilting. I will be talking to experts in each of these different genres of quilting, if you will, and uh, we are going to learn so much about all the different types of quilting. So let's get started with the first first episode in the series. So this is a first episode in a series of new shows that I'm doing on different uh, types of quilting. And today on the show, I am very honored to have Jackie Gehring on and we are going to talk about machine quilting. Welcome, Jackie. Hey, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Oh, I'm so pleased and honored that you're, you're coming onto my show. Um, I, uh, I kind of, you know, have followed you since I started quilting and I started quilting maybe like a couple year or two after you started quilting. And, um, so you've kind of been there with me the whole time. I've taken your craftsy class on machine, um, quilting when I very first was attempting to machine quilt. <laughs> so I love it. And I'm really happy to have you on. So, um, I, I wanted to make sure you remembered, but I want to promote your book, Walk, and that came out in 2016, right? It did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. it looks really good. I don't have it yet, though. I don't know why I don't have it. I think it's because I took your craftsy class, so 
I, I'm a very so, visual I, learner. <laughs> I will tell you, Stephanie, I mean, I filmed that crafty class a long time ago. And I learned so much more since then. Mm-hmm. And so walk covers some of the things that are in, I actually have two machine quilting crafty classes. But it covers a lot of what's in those two classes, but so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm just a, a learner day by day. And so everything I've learned, including those classes and since those classes, is in that walkbook. And so it's really pretty much a comprehensive book on walking foot quilting. Oh, cool. Very good. And and then you have a second one, a sequel, you said, coming out uh, soon, right? I'm working on Walk 2.0. And I after I wrote Walk, I really honestly it was kind of like an encyclopedia of walking foot quilting for me. So I didn't think there would be a second book. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I'm quilting every day and I'm learning every day. And all of a sudden I have all this new stuff to share and I'm really excited about sharing it. So I'm working on the companion walk 2.0. Oh, I love that. And I'm sure we are all waiting for you to share your, your techniques with us because they're great. I, in fact, I, I mean, I learned the serpentine stitch from you, and that's one of my favorite ones to do, especially on baby quilts. Decorative stitches are fun, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. High-end machines, and they have hundreds of stitches, and what do we use? Straight, Straight. stitch. <laughs> right. And maybe a zigzag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there's so much more out there. Oh, cool. So before we dive into that, I just want to because this is the first time you're on my show. So I just want to do like an intro of your story. In case people didn't get to QuiltCon 2013, you were a keynote speaker there. And I recently just, you know, watched it um, on Blueprint because they have it on there. Um, I really wasn't the keynote speaker. It was just lecture. Oh, Sure. Okay, I didn't know, but I just saw like, oh, QuiltCon 2013, and you seemed like, I mean, there was a huge audience, and it was just so um, touching to me, and I just, I mean, I could watch that over and over again. Um, you shared a lot of projects and inf- information, and just even more than just the quilt technique itself, but just like doing this from your soul and your heart and having your inspiration as your family. It was just wonderful. So let's talk about that. Talk about your family of makers. So, so, um, my family is Mennonite and, um, well, so really the most important thing about my family is both my dad and my mom, um, essentially made everything. I mean, they were creators and thinkers and they were resourceful and they were learners and they passed all those traits on to me, especially my dad. Um, my dad was a agricultural economist by profession, um, but he was also a farmer, a woodworker. Um, my, my dad, um, so he taught me my philosophy of making, I guess, <laughs> is um, the best way to say it. Um, and you know, it was kind of, we make something first, you know, before we buy something. (laughs) Um, and then my mom was an expert seamstress. Um, my mom can upholster a wing chair, just looking at it. And she made all my dad's clothes and, you know, I, she, she tried desperately to teach me how to sew. (laughs) Very honestly, I didn't love it. Um, I kind of hated it. 
uh, wasn't very good at it. Um, my clothes, you know, that kid that's in elementary school and you're all pointing at her like, look at those clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so those were mine. <laughs> and really, as soon as I didn't have to sew anymore, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of a snarky teenage kid and, um, you know, just pretty much didn't like to touch a sewing machine. Um, I have grown up appreciating the skills that my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, and my dad have or had, I guess I should say. But um, I didn't um, put those skills to use really until 2009. Wow. But you still, you still had, they stayed with you though, because I think you picked it up so quickly and you excelled. And quilting like amazingly. I I think the first time I saw you, you had you had been on either a TV show or something, but had only said had only been quilting like a couple to three years. Yeah, and I was amazed. Oh. Well, you know, my friends who know me really well will tell you when I find something that I love, I take a deep dive. <laughs> and and so I took a deep dive into quilting, and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours teaching myself, practicing, and just learning the art and craft of quilting. I deep dive. My mom will say it best. You know, she'll say, um, you know, I gave her all those skills, but it took her 50 years to implement them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and my mom is exactly right. I mean, Mm -hmm. she taught me those basic skills. Yeah. And you know, as a quilter, that if you can sew a straight line, and if you can put in a set in sleeve, So it's, you can make a quilt. You have those skills. Mm -hmm. I just needed to know how to apply them to quilting. And that's pretty much what I set about to do. That's great. Yes. And I I did learn how to set in a sleeve long before I started quilting. I I had kind of dabbled in and out um, since like late nineties with sewing and but just sewing clothes and trying to like, you know, muster through those patterns that you get at the <laughs> they didn't have like all the indie patterns out yet or anything. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And um but yeah, so and one time I was in a quilt shop just, you know, looking at fabric for a home deck project and I had always, always wanted to make a quilt because my grandmother made me a quilt when I was a kid. And it was um it, when I was a little kid it was like the seventies and Holly Hobby was really big. But there's that 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 traditional quilt pattern sunbonnet sue uh-huh. uh and she made that like and it was like holly hobby to me and and it just love it i just always wanted to make a quilt ever since then but i just thought it was so hard like i could never like i, I could never because people that don't sew a quilt have no idea how they're pieced together but they just look amazing and i was in this quilt shop and i just mentioned it to the woman in there and she's like, well, what do you sew now? And I'm like, well, clothing and home deck. And she started laughing. She's like, you can quilt. Right. Those skills are transferred. <laughs> definitely transferred. Yeah, they were. I was so happy that she was right. And I'm glad that she said that. She was very passionate about it. I felt it from her. And um, that was a great thing with the, this local quilt shop. So, um, but Anyway, so you got into this quilting, you took a deep dive in there, and you um, then kind of got into modern quilting and really like became a leader in that, I would say, for for modern quilting. Talk about that. Well, so my aesthetic is modern, just 
personally. I mean, if you came to my house, um, you know, if I have to choose between two museums, I'm picking the modern art museum. <laughs> um, so my aesthetic is modern. I love mid-century modern. Um, and the the thing that got me into quilting were the G's Bend quilts. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened upon that exhibit. Honestly, I've never met a museum that I didn't like <laughs> because I love art and and those kind of things. And so I saw those quilts and, you know, my family, there were quilts around me, but I never um, paid attention to them as anything more than a blanket. Mm. You know, they were utilitarian. They they keep you warm. I never noticed. I mean, honestly, I didn't care how they got put together. (laughs) I just didn't care. They were just (laughs) something we covered up with. Um, And, you know, I saw those G's Bend quilts and there was just something about them. They had this, amazing kind of spirit and quirkiness they were and I say this totally respectfully they were just wackadoodle in this kind of wonderful artistic way mm-hmm. and I I honestly I didn't know a quilt could be like that um, and I actually googled modern quilting and I was honest shocked that things came up <laughs> and I'm a read more about it kind of girl I'm curious Um, I'm a learner. And so I started reading, started reading blogs. I started connecting with other people. um, And it was like, I'd found my family. Um, And I'd found this great thing that I kind of wanted to try. And like I said, took a deep dive and, (laughs) um, you know, but, but it was really connecting and kind of finding your people, finding people who like the same aesthetic that you did, Mm -hmm. that, were willing to kind of explore in a way that you wanted to explore that we could explore together. I did this silly little project on my blog way back in 2009 or 10 called project improv. And honestly, I asked for people, you know, to participate and, um, and I thought I'd get, you know, five, (laughs) And all of a sudden there were hundreds of people and I was getting blocked from all over the world and we made all these parody quilts. And I mean, it just, um, and I'm, I'm a teacher by trade. That is my profession. And so as I started blogging and sharing and, you know, the stupid mistakes I made and, and how I was learning, it just became, I joined the community, I guess is, is a great way to say it. Um, and I connected with people in the modern movement and I was enthusiastic about it. And I, in fact, I printed out the email just a couple of weeks ago where Elisa asked me, so you want to be part of this planning team? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you bet. (laughs) And you know, sometimes it's, um, when you say yes to the right thing, um, and we had no idea at the beginning that we were starting a movement we're starting a movement sure and you know that saying yes led to a whole lot of hard work um but i'm so proud of what has happened um in the development of the modern quilting community in the development of the modern quilt guild in the development of modern quilting in general um you know we've added so many quilters to the community (laughs) 
Uh, it's an absolutely amazing thing. Um, I, I agree. Uh, I, I loved when uh, you were president of the Modern Quilt Guild. I would always read your, you know, when you had your, I don't know if it was a monthly thing, but when you Yeah, published... my little letter Yes, yes. I just, I gravitate toward it. I think most people do. You gravitate towards others who you can just feel and the enthusiasm and the passion and you want to be part of it too. And um, you were always so welcoming and, um, you know, for, for people who are just starting out quilting, um, there's definitely a big sense of insecurity. You don't know what you're doing. There's this whole process and, you know, great. Now I have the quilt top done. Now what do I do? And, and, you know, uh, it's just, um, I, and, and you talked about earlier about, you know, you, you didn't want to have anything to do with it when you're younger. And I, I feel like my gender, cause right now this movement is bringing in a lot of like people that are 10 years younger than me oh, um, yeah. into it. But like I'm gender, I'm gen X and I, there's not a, like a ton. I don't feel like there's a ton of us, at least in my Chicago area um, that are, that are quilters. You know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of a skip of a half a generation or something because in the eighties, the shopping malls popped up and, you know, like you said, like homemade stuff was just not, it wasn't not cool. the cool thing. Right. It right. Cool. Right. It yeah. wasn't cool. And now this, this younger generation is coming up and, um, you know, uh, uh, they they're making their clothes for their kids and um, people like are now it's the opposite where they're getting compliments from people of saying, wow, where do I get that? Uh, just because like, I think that whole modern movement um, that you had a, a strong um, part in and still do drove the marketplace too. We got new designers for fabrics, patterns, um, you know, clothing patterns. So it's really cool. It's a really exciting time to be in quilting. I love it. I really, it is really an do. Exciting time, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh, the Modern Quilt Guild has grown a ton. Um, and one of these years, I'm going to make it to a quilt con. I haven't, done, I haven't been able to yet. But maybe next year in Austin, I can go. Oh, um, you need um. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Chicago. Right? <laughs> and you used to live here, too. I love Chicago, oh, and we oh. miss it terribly. Do you? Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> An amazing city. And I have to tell you that I'm going to give a little shout-out to the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild. Yeah. Um, you know, when I moved to Chicago, I didn't know Seoul. And um, they were like having instant best friends. Um, <laughs> you know, they took me out to dinner the, I think the first week I got there. And, and that's one of the greatest things about the community and the modern quilting community and just the quilting community in general. You know, you move somewhere and you connect with people through your guild, through your um, local quilt store, through um, art centers, through however, you know, we connect and we have, instant people that own sewing machines and know what you're talking about and, mm -hmm. you know, oogle over fabric just like you do. Mm -hmm. um, so the community is such a powerful thing for us. It really is. Yeah. Because I mean, until I, I, I've been, a, I'm an individual member now, but I've been, I, last year I rejoined um, the Chicago one. Um, but I just felt bad because I only went there like three times out of the whole year. 
Um, but they, they said, you're always welcome. And I mean, how wonderful is that? And they've grown a ton and they're also very nice. Um, but um, I was going somewhere with this. Oh, yeah. So but until I like met up with this group, um, I didn't know anybody around me that had the same interest as me. So it's really, it's really important to find the people that like, a lot of people call it their tribe. So um, yeah, it's it, that that's a sense of community is really important, um, especially for introverts like me. Yeah. And, and me too. I mean, we say in Kansas City, Quilt Guild changed my life. And, you know, before Guild for us, I mean, I had my online connections and that's all great. But I didn't I didn't know anyone who even owned a sewing machine before that. Right. And, right. Yeah. I know. So finding your tribe is, is really important. And it's it's like this built in support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talked about newbies earlier. Um, sometimes when when you're new and just starting something out, you know, having a tribe around you that's doing the same thing, making the same mistakes that you are, yeah. or to have the experience that you want to tap into right. is so important. So true. There's there, there's just so much to, to learn. Um, and there's a lot of learning opportunities that these guilds bring in, too. So, yeah. um, all right, let's talk about, um, well, we talked about your love for modern quilting and... Um, I don't know if you want to talk. I just there, there's a few quilts of yours that are very um, well known, and for people that are listening to the podcast, because I've gotten you know some feedback that they're just starting out and stuff. So I think it's it's good to. I mean, uh, most everybody that follows you knows you knows about these quilts, but let's go over them really quickly. <laughs> um, the your tin ceiling quilt is one of my favorites, and it's made from selvages. And you said that it was the first museum, um, or first, um, it was juried into the Museum of Quilts and Textiles in San Jose. Yeah. Um, so I made that quilt a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> um, for me, it's my Where's Waldo quilt, um, because I can kind of look at the selvages in it and tell you the fabric and what quilt that fabric is in, what other quilt. I love um, that. It, it's it's just this, um, it's also a very traditional quilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually Bonnie Hunter's spiderweb pattern that oh, quilt is. Okay. Um, and I kind of um, tweaked her, but I used the tutorial on Bonnie Hunter's blog um, to make that quilt. Okay. And so it's kind of this example for me of that kind of tradition is my touchstone because it's kind of where I start with everything. <laughs> you know, tradition is that kind of foundation of, of then I go, you know, my aesthetic and my own way. Um, it's a lot more traditional than I would, you know, kind of make today. Um, it was also my first collaboration with Angela Walters. I'll never forget laying, because I didn't know how to quilt at the time. I mean, I couldn't have quilted that piece. Oh, wow. I, I didn't even, <laughs> I mean, I didn't wear... <laughs> You couldn't lower the feed dogs. I had to tape cardboard over them <laughs> in order to free motion quilt. It didn't have a walking foot. So I just shoved my quilt through there. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't know anything at the time I made that quilt. Um, I remember Ange and I laying it out over the trunk, um, the hood of my car outside of a guild meeting and making sketches and 
um, talking about how to quilt that quilt. So it, it has lots of kind of special memories for me, and it actually is in the entryway of my new house here. <gasps> I love that. And, you know, I mean, Angela Walters, like, did you have collaborate with her because you guys are, like, geographically closely yeah, located? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, How down- awesome is that? <laughs> we were in the same guild and um, I got to know her and, you know, she said, oh, by the way, I quilt quilts every once in a while. And I was like, would you mind, you know, quilting one of mine? And, um, <laughs> you know, it was and I also remember, Ange, you know, when we were talking about the quilt, you know, she kind of turned to me and she said, you know, someday, Jackie, you're going to love quilting your own quilts. Ah. And I had laughed <laughs> <laughs> because at the time I had no skills and no experience. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was crazy. I thought I would be quilting with by checkbook my entire life. Wow. Um, but, and she, of course, she was right. Yes. Now I love quilting my own quilts. Yeah. And you, you do an impeccable job. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but I, yeah, I do love that quilt and it's almost like a, a, a scrapbook, like a, a fabric scrapbook. Cause you said all of those salvages are from, you know, what quilts they came from. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them. Some people actually sent me salvages too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not only the quilt, but the people are in that quilt as well, which makes it, um, you're right. It's like a big quilting scrapbook yeah. for me. I'd only been quilting just not very long at all when I made that quilt. And it was also, um, you know, it's the power of the community too with that quilt because a friend of mine emailed and said, you should enter this quilt in the scrap art exhibit. Hmm. And I emailed her back and I said, nah, (laughs) you know, I got nothing. Don't know. And she's like, what's the worst that could happen? That's true. And so I did. And look at that. Amazing. Um, Yes. Yeah. So cool. And then there you uh I you showed this quilt. This is all from that one twenty thirteen show, but I just thought they were so cool. This this low volume bricks quilt because um all, all of these things, like the selvage, that became a huge thing back then. Right. And low volume as well. So you did this low volume bricks quilt and uh, you mentioned something about a simple shapes technique and there was a person and I don't remember her name, but t- talk a little bit about that. Well, so, so the bricks quilt, um, like it's just made up of rectangles. That's all it is. It's just rectangles, but be by the placement of values and fabric, that's how the design appears. Okay. It's just rectangles. And that quilt, well, it taught me a lot. Um, so I've discovered over time that simple is what I love, but in our society and in the quilting kind of, so we don't really value simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you listen and watch, you know, oh yes, I won with this quilt and it has 82,568 pieces <laughs> and it took me, you know, 42 years to complete it. Right. And so, I mean, we value complexity and Bricks was hanging in a show, just a local, you know, quilt show. And I tell people all the time, be careful when you're standing in front of somebody's quilt chatting about it. Be careful what you say, mm-hmm. uh-uh. because the maker is many times behind you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
And these um, quilters were talking about my piece. And it was, um, the comment was kind of like this. Those modern quilters, it doesn't get any simpler than that. And, you know, I I used to get upset when people would say, oh, that took you a day to make. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So simple is um, fabulous. And sometimes it's, you know, I look at the work of, for example, Susan Evans. And, well, they're... There are so many people I could name. Yoshiko Jinsenzi. That's there, you. Yeah, Yoshiko. Yeah. There are so many people that I could name that do simplicity so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult. Um, you know, Just because something is simple doesn't right. mean it's not filled with design mm-hmm. and technique and skill. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And locally here, you I'm sure you know them. Um Weeks Ringle and Bill Kerr. Well, sure. Their their quilts are based on simplicity, but it looks simple. But the actual like technique of putting that together and how they do the um, you know, a lot of times they do that um, color thing where translucent transparency, transparency. yeah, transparency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's very hard to to do, and it takes a lot of time and. I mean, their their quilts, you know, they've been doing this long enough that, I mean, they they command a very, you know, hefty price, which, you know, well, good for them. Very talented. Very talented. Yeah. And we don't we don't value simplicity. I mean, I look at um, a lot of modern art and people are saying, well, that's like three triangles, <laughs> but <laughs> it's put together and it's colored and it's you know, it's composed in this amazing way. Um, And so, so the Brooks quilt really taught me about the value of simplicity Mm -hmm. and how beautiful it is. Yeah. Um, And it it can teach you also about balance. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And value and color. And, and then there's technique and the quilting design layer. And there's so much going on in a simple quilt that sometimes we dismiss simplicity without looking deep enough into Mm -hmm. the piece. Yeah. And that was the message of that bricks quilt. Okay, really cool. Um, This one I love too. (laughs) winter windows. And um, I think the listeners would really love to hear this because, and I've never done this yet, but now I really want to. <laughs> you cut apart a quilt top that you've already made because you well, didn't end up liking it. And the end result was, I was just, uh, I was speechless. I was just like, that is so gorgeous. And I love what you did. Because then, because at first when you showed the picture, this is what it was beforehand. I'm like, well, that's, that looks good. Which, why does she like that? <laughs> And then the after, I was like, oh, I get it. You know, we've talked about this before. (laughs) So, and I've heard people say, and in one of your questions here, you talked about people being scared. Yes. Yeah, so I don't have that. (laughs) I know. I know. I, I know you don't have that. And that is one of the things I think that has propelled you in your deep dive. And, um, I, I am definitely like getting more and more like that. Um, it, it just doesn't come to me naturally, but um, like I, I just started to do some ruler quilting and I'm diving into that. Like I'm, I'm doing it on this baby quilt and I did minimal practice and I'm like, 
it's it's gonna come. I know I'm gonna do it, and <laughs> the baby's not gonna care if it's a crooked line. <laughs> you know what? I'm. I mean, it's only fabric, right? You know, and we cut it up anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, right. And I, I think that fear and inhibition holds so many people back from enjoyment yep. and getting things done. It's so, the enemy of fun. Right. It really is the enemy of fun. And for me, <laughs> I tell people in my classes all the time, if it's not fun, I really don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love this and I have a passion for it. And, it, you know, it's not that I don't have my frustrating days. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've ripped the quilting out of entire quilts. Oh, wow. um, but I'm, I'm really, in terms of design, I'm not scared, you know, and it's really that I'm not scared to kind of make a fool of myself or to look stupid in front of somebody or to admit that I don't know anything or <laughs> because. You know, like you said, I, I was out there putting myself out there having quilted a year and a half. Yes. You know, that's really scary. And I just looked at people and said, you're right. I don't know a thing. (laughs) I love it. I so love it. Oh my gosh. I'm just doing it and learning. Yes. Well, right. And I heard from, I don't know, a little while back that uh, when you teach, teaching is the best way of learning. And that stuck with me. I mean, I just finished writing the introduction to Walk 2.0. And one of the things I put in there was that this book exists partially because of all that I have learned from my students. I just finished a walking foot event in Kansas City. And, oh, my gosh, they taught me so much. Um, We invented new designs together new techniques together. They shared tools with me that are going to work better than other ones that I have. I mean, it was just an amazing learning weekend for all of us. And there's stuff in that book that is simply from my students. They taught me over the years since I've written Walk. And that's why there is going to be Walk 2.0. Yes. And you're sharing it. You're being generous and you're not keeping it to yourself. (laughs) I love it. There's no time for that. <laughs> and then the last one I have on here from uh, some of your well-known quilts is the Bang, You're Dead quilt. And that's the one with the gun and the blood dripping down. And um, uh, this one just uh, resonated with me because I'm from Chicago. I know what happens every day and right. with these children. I mean, every week there's, there, it's on the news that more kids are getting shot. So, um, but when I saw your quilt, it's weird. It's just, and this is what is, you, you said this is your best work and I do, I, I agree. It, 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 it um, immediately was disturbing to me. <laughs> And it had that effect. And then it was really like provoked thought and just resonated. And I appreciated your tech. You know, it was a really well done design, too. But that disturbing. And then I, I felt uncomfortable because I'm like, I love Jackie so much, but I don't. It's it's like 
I would I would not have this quilt hanging anywhere, <laughs> but I understand why she did it. Um, but then when you said that in your 2013 talk that you said you hate this quilt and you want to get it out of your house, I was like, yes, thank you, because I felt like I had permission to be like, you know, that... But it, it did what it was meant to do. And it's tough to look at. Yes, it is. But And I will tell you that it's now hanging in my family room here. Okay. Um, and it's weird because I sold that quilt. Uh-huh. Um, because I really thought that I couldn't look at it all the time or even know that it was in a closet, you know? Right. That's what you had I said. Be widely exhibited, which it has been and it is being. Mm-hmm. Um, but my two boys actually came to me and said, Mom, you shouldn't have sold the quilt. Mm-hmm. That is our legacy. And so I listened to them. And um, I actually went to the person that I sold it to and asked to buy it back. Oh, wow. And she was generous enough to sell it back to me. Um, so... Um, it's now back in our family, which is where my boys believe it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it goes out on exhibit enough so that it's away from home enough. <laughs> um, but I'm also so proud of it. It's mm-hmm. also a message that, you know, the way I feel, felt about that quilt in the beginning was I can't look at it. I, it's hard to talk about, mm-hmm. but that's, what gun violence is all about mm-hmm. you know we like to put our heads in the sand right yeah and talk about it and just if it's not happening in my neighborhood if it's not happening to my family you know it's somebody else's problem mm-hmm. but it isn't mm-hmm. and so the disturbing nature of that quilt is what it was meant to be and it was meant to spark conversation about the topic mm-hmm. um, people come into my house and visit and ask about it and guess where the conversation goes yeah you know, right yeah. where it's supposed to go. Right, exactly. Um, and so my kids are really smart. <laughs> they are. That's so wonderful. I'm so glad that they did that because it is your legacy. It and is. And it, it's just, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just, um, it's. And it's another shout out to the community. Yeah. Because she didn't have to do that for me. Yeah. You know, and how generous was that? Very. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that that it's just it's good. I'm glad that it's going to remain in your family. But and if not, I think it should have been like in a museum. So, you know, it's just it's it's been, um, you know, there have been requests for it. And, you know, eventually it might um, go to a place like that, which would kind of continue the legacy. But for right now, yeah, my children, well, they'll fight over it, I guess. (laughs) They can share it, but I'm so glad that they were so proud of you, and they wanted that. That how oh. that just must mean the world to you. It would to me. I would just fall apart. Honestly, <laughs> the fact that I have two twenty-something boys that love quilting, I think I have already changed the world. Oh. <laughs> I'm just tearing up. It's just this is what that talk was that you did. Um, in 2013 and you were just so very emotional about it and it struck a chord with me and um yeah I mean that is really where the heart of quilting is and forget this whole modern versus traditional and you know just that word versus makes me cringe yeah because we are one community we are yes 
And yep. so, you know, I just, um, there with such a wonderful, I love this community so much and it is the best ever. Um, but we're not without our little quirks either. And like, you know, there was a time there with this whole derivative thing that I just did not like at all. And oh my gosh, I, I just, you know, I just want yeah. us to really recognize each other and support each other and, you know, let it come from our hearts and, and, and not, you know, from... And you know what, Stephanie, my whole thing is we all need to assume good intent. Right. You know, I, I think with the derivative mm-hmm. issue, with the modern versus, um, versus, oh, I hate that word. Yeah. Traditional versus art, the whole, you know. Right, cr- craft versus art, yes. <laughs> craft versus art, or, I mean, there's so much out there, but we need to assume good intent. People's intentions are good, and Yes, we make mistakes. And yes, we don't understand, right? But we need to listen to each other and mm-hmm. support each other and lift each other up. And through all of that, you know, we become this much stronger community. Absolutely. Um, yes. And so, you know, we've been through kind of some struggles. Right. Struggles are okay. <laughs> makes you stronger (laughs) how we learn and it's how we come out on the other side you know if the whole derivative issue wouldn't have happened we wouldn't be talking about copyright and we wouldn't be talking about giving credit Mm -hmm. and you know so many positive things came out of that um so you know i'm just (laughs) so i'll just say i have a husband that you know they talk about half full and half empty people yes (laughs) yeah so my husband is a like glass overflowing person. <laughs> he doesn't even go with the glass half full. He's a glass overflowing. Oh, wow. And he's taught me, you know, what is the worst that could happen? Nothing. Move on. Move forward. What can you learn from this? Um, and I credit him with that. Um, it's gotten me through a whole lot. It's one of the reasons that I have that whole no fear thing. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, when you have the kind of support that I do. Um, yep. It's easy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that you have that tight knit close family. It's so wonderful. So, all right, we're going to move on to talking about your love of domestic machine quilting. Well, you've already talked about how you've honed your skills over time. Yep. And um, you've, you've done a bit of free motion quilting too. Do you still incorporate that or do you, I just kind of <laughs> want to know, like, you know, you said that you've gotten, you know, so much better and from that first craftsy class and incorporated so many more techniques so um what have you done so in terms of free motion um what i've discovered over time is what i like and what i like is line um and honestly free motion isn't great with line (laughs) Uh, it isn't and you know free motion really Um, opens up the world of swirls and feathers and, you know, all those um, kind of complex kind of designs. Mm -hmm. And if you love that, go there. So I don't love that. It's not my style. Mm -hmm. And so I practiced free motion for a long time and I taught free motion quilting beginner, beginner. (laughs) (laughs) The only real free motion design that I use is pebbles. Oh, I love Uh, pebbles. Because pebbles have that kind of graphic 
um, feel that I like, but mm-hmm. honestly, I don't use them that much because I have so many linear and gentle kind of curve based designs with my walking foot that, I mean, I just have hundreds of designs to use that are in my aesthetic wheelhouse and they're with the walking foot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't do a lot of block-based quilts. I don't kind of look at quilting in terms of block, stashing, border. You know, I look at it more as an overall composition. Right. So I'm working more with textural designs and overall designs. And so I just kind of look at quilting differently and it fits the walking foot. So that's where I have, you know, put all my energies, honed my skills, kind of, um, you know, gone the creative, what can we do? You know, as Gwen Marston always used to say, what would happen if? Right. Um, that's in my philosophy of kind of um, taking the walking foot to the next level. What are all the wonderful things that it can do? Which is so astounding and amazing to me because um, I, the walking foot, because you can only go one direction, <laughs> And so it's amazing that you can come up with all of these designs. Um, that, so that's so yeah. not true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, teach me. <laughs> I <beg> to differ. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Steph. Um, but so I've learned to use reversed with my walking foot, oh. which has um, opened up a whole new world. Turning is totally possible with the walking foot. Now it depends on the size of your quilt, right? Right. Um, there are lots of designs though, that we can use small pivots and small turns so that I'm not turning the entire quilt. Because that is one of the frustrating things for me. And I, I will do machine quilting but only or the, with the walking foot but mostly on smaller size quilts because I want I like the freedom of free motion where you can just like go whatever direction you want instead of having to turn you know the whole thing around but go ahead <laughs> so so there are only certain designs where you have to turn the entire quilt I mean I hardly ever do that okay um, except well no I shouldn't say that that's not true because as my skills have gotten better and better and better. So I've learned techniques to handle larger quilts through my harp and I'm able to turn. Okay. Right. Um, But I've also developed techniques and directionality so that I don't have to do as much turning. I like that. I'm not going to make the walking foot work like the free motion foot because it's not the same. No. You know, they don't support the same kinds of designs. They really don't. But for example, the orange peel design, you know that, right? Yep. Right. Traditionally done free motion. Yes. Really simple to do with the walking foot. Wow. Really simple to do with the walking foot. I teach it all the time. Oh, cool. So because the walking foot is great for lines and gentle curves. And if you push the envelope of the walking foot, right, you can get a little bit tighter curves like spiraling is really easy with the walking foot concentric mm-hmm. circles really yes. a concentric design because I've developed a technique to do it continuously nice. rather than having to do each round and stop and start right so there there are things that I've experimented with it to help it make make it easier for those of us who love the walking foot and we also so 
you know, I was jealous of you, um, free motion quilters, because you had so many options. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) And so I just set about to take what the walking foot is good at and develop designs that fit that. In walk, I think there are over 80 designs in there. Okay. 80. There's going to be another 60 in the next book. Whoa. So we're, I'm trying to fill all of our quilting toolboxes, yes. right? The more options we have for quilting. And I will never disparage, you know, just echoed lines. There's something about that that I just adore. I love it too. I mean, I adore it. And, you know, I hate when I hear people say, oh, that's easy. Anybody can do that. It's not like, easy, though, because I've tried it. I've done it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Poor guy. You go, you know? Right. Um, you know, there are techniques with all kinds of quilting, with free motion quilting, with ruler work quilting, with walking foot quilting, that will make your quilting better and easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And... um I, it's it's just amazing the designs that you have for machine quilting with the walking foot on a domestic machine. So I think this opens up so many doors for people who don't want a long arm, um, don't want to, you know, quilt with their checkbook, but it gives them like, you know, they can use their own tool that they have. Exactly. In front and of them. I love my long arm friends. I do. But um, some of us, I mean, it's, it can be really expensive to send out every quilt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want people to feel comfortable and confident about using the tool that they have at home. And they can do fabulous designs and they can do it themselves. Yes. They yes. really can. I mean, that's my mission. I love it. And we need that. We We need your, you know... Your books, your cl- wait now in that second class of on um, craftsy, it was it's improvisational, right? No, I actually have three total classes on craftsy. Oh, okay. I have two walking foot classes: creative quilting with your walking foot, next steps with your walking foot, oh, next steps, and okay. I have um, the improvisational piecing modern design. So I have okay. three. I guess it's not crafty anymore. Sorry, blueprint. <laughs> Sorry. It's- kind of embrained in my head me but. too because I started taking craftsy classes right when they came out yeah mm-hmm. so and and I can't I, I mean the walk book is really a comprehensive um book on walking foot quilting um it has some basics in there that I don't think a lot of people know because they just you know put their quilt under the machine and start walking foot quilting and knowing and understanding the structure of your walking foot um, and the design of that foot and how it can work for you is so important. Um, you know, I have a test drive in that book that is um, how you make sure that you're getting an even feed. And that way you can start quilting anywhere on your quilt. You don't have to start in the middle and move to the edges. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about puckering. Don't have to worry about God forbid, quilting one line top to bottom, rotating the quilt and doing the other one. (laughs) Prevent puckers. That is not how we do it, folks. (laughs) You know, so there are little basics like that that are are so important for beginners to learn. So true. I mean, I I really need to um, just immerse myself into that more because I'm one of those that kind of like, 
you know, I don't, it didn't have the patience for it. I think I just wanted to be like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> Well, and I did that too. I mean, seriously, when mm-hmm. I was starting, I mean, when I said I taped cardboard over my feed bugs, dogs, yeah. that's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can't drop them. Got a way to cover them up. Off mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, didn't take a class. Just, and and you make it hard for yourself when you don't know those little things yes. that are make it easier and better for you. Right, for sure. Um, okay, and so we talked a little bit about the challenges of, of straight lines. Um, I mean, I I think one of the things, and maybe you could just tell me like what a, a tip for people who are having challenges of quilting straight lines, like shouldn't they use like either something as a guide whether it's the edge of their foot or something so there are lots of ways to keep straight lines edge of foot you can use your seam guide right you can mark um you know we all have the challenge of keeping straight lines straight over you know 60 inches Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and i use the technique of registration lines um I think we've all gotten to the edge of our quilt when we're quilting. We started, we start at the top and we run out of quilt, right? Because we're and there are techniques to help us do all of those kinds of things and keep straight lines straight. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to say to people is, you know, perfection really is the enemy of creativity and it can be paralyzing. Yes. You know, we're not computers. Right. We're people and we have eyes and we have shaky hands right. and, and our quilts, handmade quilts. I truly believe this. They need to reflect the touch of our hand and they become the soul of the quilt. For sure. And people have to remember too, that it is fabric and thread. They are not like a, 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 a very hard surface. It's not like you're quilting on a piece of marble or something. It's, it's moving. It's fabric. So there's going to be movement to it. Right. And be- before I got my dog sideways, I had this beautiful black lab named Bruno. And Bruno would sit beside me as I would quilt. And when it was time to go for a walk, Bruno would come up and flip my elbow up. That's what my dog does. <laughs> and so, so in many of the quilts around this house, I call them Bruno blips. <laughs> right? I love it. Yes. It ears and then it goes back to straight again. And one lady asked me one day, she said, you rip those out, right? <laughs> and I'm like, so why would I want to take Bruno out of my quilt? Oh, You know, and now that he's gone, I look at those quilts and I see those little beers. Oh, I love that. And I'm like, so Bruno is in, and his dog hair is in those quilts too, but... <laughs> You know, he's part, he is part of the soul Mm -hmm. and the story of that quilt. And that's what Handmade is about. Yes. You know, they had a great exhibit at, um, oh, in Massachusetts. I'm trying to remember the name of the museum in Lowell at the museum there. Mm -hmm. And it was, they had modern quilts and traditional quilts kind of in the same view. And they had, I remember walking around with the curator and they had Denise Schmidt's snail's trail quilt. And then they had a snail's trail that was made in the thirties, oh, right? And okay. hand pieced. And, yeah. and the curator was saying, you know, this snail's trail will never be in, a, in, you know, like a competition. It'll never make it. And so she was right. So the snail's trails 
so they wandered a bit. They were, you know, they're supposed to match up and mm-hmm. it had to be a, a good inch off. <laughs> and she kind of said, you know, but that's what makes this quilt beautiful mm-hmm. is that, you know, the maker just said, so it doesn't match up. Let's just put it in there. We're going to finish it. I mean, it's beautifully hand-pieced, hand-quilted. It's it's a treasure, mm-hmm. but it is far from perfect. Right, right. Um, and that's where I would love to see people go with their quilts and uh, appreciate all those mistakes that we make and try and do your very best on the day you make that quilt. Mm-hmm. Learn something from it and move on. Make another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I have to even learn that because when you said you know, bump your elbow, I would get my seam ripper right then and there and just undo those five little stitches and redo it straight. Now I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I'm too short for that. You're so right. Oh my gosh. And and I will say, you know, there are times when I've gotten in that headspace that it has to be perfect. And I've ripped quilting out of whole quilts. Wow. And, you know, and and sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's it's really that I've lost confidence, mm-hmm. right? And I right. don't believe in what's going to happen. Um, and usually when it's finished and I don't stop and rip, it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all have those moments. So, you know, don't. I don't want to say that <laughs> that I never do that. Right. But it's 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 a good just, um, I don't know, just a, a good pointer to... to kind of like step back and take a breath and look at things differently. I think the perspective is, is a good thing to, to change and to, yeah. and, and it allows us to have more fun. Well, so you know, I had a, a quilt that I made back in Chicago <laughs> a while ago. And, um, you know, it sat in the closet, sat on the design wall, sat in the closet, sat on the design wall because I couldn't come up with the perfect quilting design. Notice that word perfect. Yes. You know, five years. Sounds like me. <laughs> it's unquilted. And it's because it's one of the most difficult quilts I've ever made. I love that quilt. I even went to a couple of long armors mm-hmm. and I wasn't satisfied with their designs. So I'm I'm just about two sections away from finishing it. And, you know, I was so paralyzed by perfection that I've had a quilt that I love in the closet for five years. That's ridiculous. Isn't it? Yeah. Ridiculous. Oh, I'm so glad. So are you going to um, publish that on your blog or when you get done with it? Oh, yeah. I'll Good. share it. All right. Let me make, I'm, I'm going to put links so we can see that because I'm curious. <laughs> it's called Dancing on the Table with Dan. Oh. So you can look for that. <laughs> Dancing on the Table with Dan. Okay. Got it. Yep. Cool. Wait till after quilt market. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, that's coming up. That's right. Um are you um do you have a booth there or are you just attending to uh, So I'm working with um Paintbrush Studio Fabrics promoting their solids oh. at market. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh is there anything else that you consider important to learn in machine quilting? Oh gosh. You know, I, 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 I really think you just have to let it go and have fun and try things. I like to dive in. I really do. Because I think that would be very helpful for beginners. And I think that's why I didn't quilt and why Angela knew. Yeah. 
once you do it, you're going to love it. Yeah. You know? And I, I was scared mm -hmm. and we're scared that we're going to ruin quilts. We're scared that it's not going to, you know, our vision isn't going to come to life. Um, but just, just do it. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. seen so many people just do it. And it turns out great. And the next one's going to be even better. Mm -hmm. Next one's going to be even better. But if you never do it, you can't learn. So true. Yep, absolutely. All right. We're almost to the end here. And thank you so much for, um, you know, taking your time to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I just have a few little, like, you know, general things that everybody always wants to know. Uh, sure. What sewing machine do you sew and quilt on? I have two sewing machines. I have a Brother Novell 1500S, which is the industrial straight stitch machine. Ooh, and I okay. do all my piecing on that. Uh -huh. And then I have a Bernina 820, and I do all my quilting on that. Oh, I had a Bernina 820. And um, <laughs> I last uh, September, October, there was a huge storm, and I had it on the Eco, <gasps> and it got fried. I, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. It was like a horrific experience for me, but now I have a a, a 780. So, <laughs> well, I sold my sailboat to buy that machine. So, but I I sucks. miss I missed a couple of feet. The 780 is great, but uh, the 820 just had I love that front bobbin winder, uh, and um, it told you like when you got to 16 percent left in your bobbin and 8 percent left. Oh. Boy, that's nice, isn't it? It is. I miss that because the 780 doesn't do that. I bought that machine because of the big harp. Yes, the big harp too because it's my harp is one inch smaller and you notice that. You do. And yeah. so that big harp has allowed me to do really big quilts. Um, and I wanted to be able to quilt all my own work. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's done that for me. Yes, that's a good machine. I like it. Okay, great. Um, and the industrial is really good for your piecing. You could really chain piece. It's so, so fast. Right? <laughs> cool. Um, what tools and notions do you love? You know, I when when you um, sent me that question, I thought, hmm, I got to think of something. <laughs> you know what? I'm not much of a tool person. Um you know, I, I'm not much of a gidgy gadget person. I will tell you that, and this is probably terrible to say, but Home Depot is one of my favorite um, places to get good tools. Like I have a 72-inch um, metal ruler. Oh, yes. So I use that ruler all the time. I love my laser level, my laser square um, yeah. for squaring up quilts. Cool. Uh, I have a carpenter's compass that I use for drawing really large circles. I mean, I can draw circles with a radius of, I don't know, three feet. Oh, wow. So I have this great carpenter's compass. Um, so I guess they're non-traditional quilting tools. Um, you know, I don't have a gigantic studio, so I don't have space to store like massive um, stuff. You know, right. I have one ruler that I love. I have one rotary cutter that I love. Um, <laughs> Um, but fancy tools, I will say I bought something, I bought a wool pressing mat. Oh yes. I love that. Based on a recommendation of a friend of mine. And I asked her over and over, I said, you, you really like this? You really think it makes a difference? <laughs> um, but it actually really does. Uh, does. I really love the way my seams lay flat with that. 
So that's my favorite new tool. Oh, awesome. But this Home Depot stuff is great. I mean, this is what we love to find out is like, uh, you know, all of these, you know, non-traditional things that could be used. I love that 72 inch metal ruler. It's it's a I think it's a wallpaper ruler, but um, yeah, it's 72 inches. It's great. I have a 48 inch one also. <laughs> yeah, because I only have a 30. I have a 36 inch one, but I didn't know that that other one existed. That's cool. It's really nice. I use yeah. it a lot. Yeah, because you that that's very helpful in squaring yep. things up. Um, and do you have a certain thread weight that you like to quilt with? You know, I was a conservative thread user for a long time. You know, somebody told me when I started quilting that I was supposed to quilt with fifty weight thread, so I did. Huh. Um, and I didn't know any better. Uh, but there is a world of thread out there that is like amazing. So I've fallen in love with 28 weight thread. Um, you know, it, it's great. I've also done some quilting with 12 weight thread, which is like sewing with yarn kind of, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I use 80 weight for stitching in the ditch. If you really want your stitches to disappear. That's a good tip. Um, so I've learned that thread weight you know, creates different looks. It does different things on different quilts. I'm not scared to combine thread weights, like put 50 weight in the background and then do some almost top stitching um, with heavier weight threads, different design on top. So um, I'm playing with thread weight and having a ball. I love that. I am too. And um, I I don't even, I, the, the, the smallest thread weight that I really go with now is 40 weight I really want that to show up on the top and I will do like what you do and maybe put a 50 weight on the bobbin um because maybe you know if my back the back of the quilt is solid that'll show up um but if you have like a printed or you know a patterned uh, top you really need a thread that's going to stand out and I I just got there was a show here recently so I I stocked up a little bit on some 28 weight I'm so excited I can't wait to use that really cool very nice and now and I picked up uh, their Orifil's, um flyer from that show and they had these big spools of wool thread and um, I've got I don't know if you could see back here this is a stack of wool there you go for a quilt that I need to make and I'm like oh I need to get the wool wool thread <laughs> so there's a whole world of thread out there and um you know, I just, I didn't explore it for the longest time. I and either. Um, it can really make a difference on your quilt, depending on, you know, what design you're choosing and um, what thread weight you're choosing. Yeah, so true. Um, and any preference on batting? That There's a whole bunch of world of batting options, too. There, I, you know, it's funny. I started, and it's funny how you stay with what you start with. I started with Warm and Natural and Warm and White just because it was available you know, you know, that 50% off coupon. Oh, of course. Yes, I know it well. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to explore batting a little bit more too. And I'm kind of, I, I love low loft. It's just the real look. I, I like that really flat look on my quilts. I did some experimenting with wool and I didn't really love it, um, except it was so nice and lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've done some experimenting. Right now I'm using Quilter's Dream. Um, That's a nice it's batting. A, it's a really nice batting. And, and I really love that low loft kind of antique look. Um, and so that's kind of my batting 
choice. I I think I'm a little bit in a batting rut, you know, Uh um, but it takes time to kind of get out there and explore other kinds of batting. I I, I tend to uh, use the that eighty twenty cotton poly blend batting. It's a little more lofty, but I like that it's a little lighter weight than um, and and I you like the flatter batting though, so the cotton I, would be that. I really like yeah. natural. I like a little bit of just a little bit of loft. <laughs> well, so and you know, isn't it great that there's stuff out there for all of us there is absolutely mm-hmm. right yeah it's so great um and let's see what else i the, the last thing the only thing i have left is um and i think you've already probably given this to us is is advice for beginning quilters versus i use the versus word again <laughs> <laughs> advice for more intermediate advanced quilters that are you know uh, Sometimes I feel like beginning quilters have less fear than us more intermediate quilters do. Um, And so just talk a little bit about that. So you know what we should all do? We should all go and attend a youth quilting class. Because it is eye-opening. Those children, you know, they don't know the rules and you know, I, I think we need to know the rules and then we break them. Um, but they, they don't know and they have no preconceived notions about how things work, you know. And so going and watching or teaching young people to quilt is just, it's thrilling. And so we should all go watch and just absorb that openness. Um, because, and, and I'm a teacher, so I know about adult learners Okay. and adult learners bring baggage, Yes. you know, right wherever they go. And that can be that fear. That can be that I was already taught this way to do it. You know, kind of, I mean, we bring baggage. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. So watching young people learn to quilt, um, will amp up your enthusiasm it will, it will, when you watch a kid just take some fusible and slap it on the triangle <laughs> and, and slap it on their fabric, you're like, wow, I wish I could do that. And we can't. Um, so I think thinking like a child um, really helps us kind of get rid of that fear and understand that we're ma- it's supposed to be fun and watching them have fun. So I think that's really great advice. We should all just go watch kids learn how to quilt um, and take some of that enthusiasm, some of that, you know, I don't care what happens. Um, I'm making something amazing that my mom and dad are going to love. <laughs> And we should take that enthusiasm and bring it into our own work. I love that you said that. And it is so true. I have a little bit of experience with this because I have been teaching my niece to sew. She is 10 now, but we we started when she was five. And so she and even to this day, she always wants like she wants to learn. So we'll we'll learn some stuff. But then she wants her own like free time of doing whatever she wants. And and I love that because she's so creative and no fear. And you're right. Like I, I just sit back and watch her and I learn and I'm like, 
this is what it should be like, you know, you should have no preconceived notions or expectations. And the view, the viewers, the listeners won't be able to see this, but you can. She made this. Oh, so she did an S Uh with just the the regular foot. You know, she turned and (laughs) and this is raw edge. It's a a coaster. (laughs) But I was just like, this is so amazing. Like she thought to like, you know, like put the initial on here, like to monogram it. And that's how techniques are invented. Right. Yes. And then a few years later, she was still loving to make coasters and look at how her skills improved. Oh my gosh. Look at that. Right. Yeah. She, we did the closed, we closed it up and then she did the top stitching and she still did tried a little S right there. You could barely see it. (laughs) So cute. I love that you said that. She free motion that S. She did. See, there you go. Yeah. That's awesome. so true. That is so awesome is is to do either the teacher to go to a youth class because that will definitely reveal that these kids, these kids have no preconceived anything and they just want to have fun and they do. And that's my favorite category at QuiltCon is yeah. going to those youth quilts. Yes. And talking to those kids. Um, it, it's just I come back just jazzed. Just jazz. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it so much. I got a glimpse of this past QuiltCon, even though I wasn't there. A couple of friends um, kind of did a little Skype call with me, and they walked through this the kids' exhibit. There were some of these quilts that some high schoolers, even smaller kids that have made, and I was astounded at, at their work. The talent that is out there in the next generation, um, we all do not have to worry. Right. We're in good hands. Yes, this is, this is not a dying art. <laughs> We're in good hands. Yay. Well, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I learned so much for, from you. And I just I just feel joy in talking with you. And I love that. I just, okay. I really love it. So I appreciate you being on the show, Jackie. And um, I, I, I would love for you to come back again. So when your Walk 2.0 comes out, maybe you'll come back. It's a date. All right. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Stephanie. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. This has been such a special conversation I had with Jackie, and um, I just love the heart and soul that she puts into her quilting, yet keeps it simple, modern, and doesn't get ruffled over the tiny mistakes that actually become part of the quilt and memories that you make. And if you're wondering what happened in that segment about her gun quilt, uh, I was getting choked up and trying not to cry. So (laughs) I was just so moved by her sons really, you know, wanting to keep that quilt in the family and part of her legacy. I was really inspired with our conversation and I really am looking at machine quilting with the walking foot in a new light and I'm very excited to try some of these techniques and designs that Jackie has developed like the soft gentle curves that orange peel design I mean there is really a lot to try out and I hope you guys are inspired 
and you um, give machine quilting with the walking foot a fair shake. Until next time, keep making and decorating and have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. You can find the show notes and the podcast episodes on my website at stephaniesochadesign.com. And I appreciate any ratings, reviews, and comments that you uh, would like to post and give me feedback on Instagram or wherever you are at. Okay, bye.